Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Outcomes Rocket listeners, welcome back once again to the Outcomes Rocket, where we chat with today's most inspiring and successful healthcare leaders. Thank you so much for tuning in to the podcast today. If you like what you hear or you just love the show in general, go to outcomesrocket.com slash reviews and leave us an Apple podcast review and a rating. We'd love to hear from our listeners and can't wait to hear what you have to think as well. I want to introduce my outstanding guest today. Her name is Olga Elizarova. She is a senior behavior change agent at MadPow. Over there, they're doing some research strategy and design of digital experiences in health and behavior change intervention. Obviously, we all know behavior change is crucial to improving healthcare outcomes, and they do it there through user experience design process from research strategy through design. Olga's got some really cool experience here. So what I want to do is uh, open up the mic so she could fill in any of the gaps in the intro. Olga, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here and I'm very excited about the interview. So just to add some information to what you already mentioned, I work at MedBow. I'm a senior behavior change agent, also analyst. I work on the team of behavior change designers. We collaborate with strategists and content people, researchers. It's pretty exciting job and we have a lot of interesting projects. But some of the side projects that I'm involved with involve social impact work and we work with different organizations such as way to Wellville, help them in different underserved communities to cultivate their resilience and creativity, disregarding their socioeconomic status and access to resources and opportunities. And with some of my friends, we volunteer and we coordinate volunteer projects through which we partner with those communities on bringing human-centered design to the places that need it most. I think that's so great, Olga. And, and, you know, just focusing on the people that need healthcare the most, you know, population health is so crucial to the overall wellness of people, our economy. I mean, it's just pervasive. So I think it's so cool that you guys are doing that even on your time off. Yeah, absolutely. And it's definitely a passion of ours. And we are trying to discover the ways that we can make designing for the underserved communities collaborative and financially sustainable. And also always constantly exploring academically and practically how we can design interventions to address the root causes of recurring public problems, Mm. not just the symptoms, because that is definitely one of the patterns that we saw a lot uh, in the last year and also before, just in the work that we do that some of the uh, companies and organizations are just very focused on fixing the symptoms and are not going deep into the understanding of the problem space and trying to parse out what are the root causes and why those problems even occur, especially if we're thinking about people who have less resources and less opportunities. Yeah, we spend a lot of time focused on the symptoms. And I think it's true within the walls of the hospital. It's true within communities. And I love that you guys are very focused on getting to the root cause. And so speaking of root causes, Olga, what is that root cause that got you into healthcare? Sure. Uh, So my first step into the medical sector was driven by my curiosity. And I thought, wow, isn't it going to be cool to go to medical school, spend six years there, 
studying pretty much yourself. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to know all of my anatomy, all of the physiology. And yeah. it's exciting because if I'm ever going to forget anything, I can always look it up and I can always think about something because it's you. You're studying That's right. yourself and other people like you. And I think that human bodies are the most complex and interesting subject for research. So there are many unanswered questions worth exploring. But curiosity is also something that, in general, allowed me to get to where I am right now, meet incredible people who taught me everything that I know and helped me not to be afraid of change and new things. And I changed my career from being a dentist when I was 21 to becoming a project lead on a 10-year-long federal project in Russia designing the environment and services for people with disabilities. And when I started my work there, when I started my job, my first big project was designing the environment and services for people with disabilities mm. that never, ever happened before. It was brand new for our wow. country. It was 2012. The director of our department was just getting started on this project. He was looking at examples in other countries how we can frame this, how we can get support from other ministries, from finance, from transportation, from social uh, development, from healthcare. So all the different aspects that would be important to make sure that the services and the products are adjusted for people with disabilities. And there were things that I have never thought of before that actually yeah. matter and were not adjusted. So we had the team, 12 people. I was responsible for strategic planning and evaluation of the pilot projects in three federal subjects, which are pretty much like states in the United States. So they're regions. Um, oh, okay, gotcha. And the insights learned from those three pilots in those three subjects uh, would be applied, would be used then to implement this project nationwide. So the whole country, 85 different states. And it was incredible and challenging to learn how different that level of work, working at the level of the country, would be different from working, seeing patients daily, just one-on-one, you and the patient. And that actually helped me to understand all the gaps and all the things that I did not know and things that they don't teach you at the med school. They mm -hmm. don't tell you that there is such a thing as epidemiology or statistics, or it is very important to look at some aspects of intervention design and how would you even design an intervention at such scale. And so I got into public health and I went to Brown. I started my public health path there and then I met Matt Bow. I met the, at the conference, HXR yeah. Factor. I met this company, Human Centered Design Agency, and I started as behavior change analyst and designer. And at my current company, I'm focusing on designing behavior change interventions, primarily in the healthcare field. And in my three years at the company, I worked on so many different projects, starting from mental health to healthy lifestyle and wellness to smoking cessation. And it's incredible to have an opportunity to work so closely with patients, providers, health insurers, other stakeholders, communities. As a dentist or a public health professional, I would have never been able to see the problems from this bird's view perspective and understand them at a system level because there's clearly a difference between individual level and systemic problems that we are interested in and then looking at the solutions and how systemic solutions would be fundamentally different mm -hmm. than the individual ones. Wow, Olga, that is quite the journey. And you went from med school to dentistry 
to public servant and dealing in, in Russia, all these, these really interesting things. I think it's so cool that the Russian government is investing in their country that way. I feel like over here in the US, we do a really good job, but we've got to do a little bit better for the public sector. And investments such as the ones that you were involved with, I would say, listeners, if you're in policy, if you're in the government, an encouragement to take a little tidbit from Olga's story and what the Russian people are up to, why don't we learn from them? And why don't we take a little bit of, of action in terms of helping our public services out to the extent that they have over there? Olga, I think that's so cool. And now you fast forward to today, working over there at MadPow with Dustin. I, thanks for, uh, for the intro over there. It was fun to connect with him at Health 2.0. Sure. I mean, you guys are really doing some cool things in the realm of behavior change. How do you get people to change behaviors? What is the message that you would give to healthcare leaders on how this should be done? Absolutely. So as you said, I work in a design agency. We have a lot of exciting, interesting projects. But it also means that we're exposed to multiple problems coming from different industries and sectors. So it's not just healthcare. And though the sectors are different, it is not hard to see repeating patterns. And yes. one of those patterns is that we work to solve complex problems, systemic problems that are intertwined with elements and touch points, both inside and outside of the sector. And behavior change and evaluations are two things that I believe are going together and are very important and critical to success or to success of healthcare as an industry and to success of the work that we do overall. And let me explain, because for those of you who might not know what behavior change is, I just wanted to give a brief kind of overview and definition of what it is. Behavior change, as we see it from our perspective, we work in intervention design, and it is a set of processes and activities that are used to design an intervention, whether it's a product or a service that aims to change a defined and modifiable behavior. So those are two keywords for us. We want to make sure that we are able to define it, make sure that it's very granular. What exactly do we want to change? And we also are looking at the evidence and looking at the research that was done before doing our own primary research with target audience and trying to understand how modifiable this behavior is at all, because we don't want to be investing into solutions or different products that are created with very little expectation of this behavior to be changed at all. And so behavior change intervention design process is something that thrives at the intersection of behavioral and social science, motivational psychology, data science, human-computer interaction, and design. And it gets all these little bits and pieces from each of those sectors and many others that I did mention, and then it combines them together with one objective, with one goal, to understand the behavior and system interactions in context and implement human-centered solutions addressing these behaviors and evaluate their effects the impact that we're making. Olga, you just dropped so many valuable things here for the listeners. Uh, really appreciate your thoughtful answer. And, uh, you know, the thing that stuck out to me and listeners that you should think about is definable. You got to set yourself up to success. And is it modifiable? Because if you're going to be pouring a bunch of resources and time into a problem, make sure you have that problem well-defined. I know this may seem elementary, but right. so many times... People don't do it. I've been guilty of it too. <laughs> Absolutely, I agree. We've seen it many, many, many times. It's uh, 
It's not something uncommon that happens, but the key here is for us as consultants, as people who are subject matter experts in, in behavior change, is to guide our clients, to guide people we work with through the process of defining what is the problem space, which specific behavior do you want to change, and what specific business objectives do you have, what health outcomes do you want to change, what are your expectations? What is your timeline? Defining all the long-term outcomes that we are aiming to change, all the short-term outcomes, all the intermediate variables that we might be able to measure earlier because we might want to reduce the costs uh, of ER visits, but we are going to have to wait for years in order to be able to measure that whether if we are going to look at some intermediate variables like people's knowledge or attitudes or beliefs and behavioral determinants, we might be able to measure them way earlier than something that is long-term. Olga, you work on a lot of projects and uh, you've seen behavior change in healthcare and in other industries. Can you give uh, an example to the listeners of some a setback that happened and maybe what you learned from it? So something that didn't quite go right, right? Yeah. Sure. I think that in my experience, and again, don't want to be very, don't want to be very negative about this, but sure. I personally don't really, I'm not a big fan. I don't really like the projects where people come to us and tell us what kind of deliverable they want to see in the end. I know there are all different kinds of restrictions and limitations, and we are all having different organizational structures that bound us to certain kind of work and responsibilities and project types that we want to be doing. Let's say if we work with a digital department of any organization, any large insurance or pharmaceutical company, and it says in it that it's in the name, digital department, we kind of expect that they're going to ask us for some digital product. But the idea is we shouldn't be doing it that way. It's doing the work backwards. If someone comes to us and asks us, could you design a digital product to solve this problem? This is not the right direction to go. Mm -hmm. The way we should be going is going backwards from research, from talking to people, trying to understand their needs, trying to understand what are the their problems, what kind of gaps they have, what are the opportunities that we can use, and how does it fit in their context of their life holistically, and how does it fit in the context of health industry, and where we can really provide value. And I think that the best example that I could think of of explaining that, if we are a pharmaceutical company, and let's say we're looking into developing a new medication, we are not sitting there in our first kickoff meeting and thinking and brainstorming, should it be an injection or should it be a pill or should it be the bandaid or whatever? Like we're yeah. not brainstorming the um, vehicle. The vehicle yet. We are deciding after we chose which is the right molecule and which is the active ingredients, then we're thinking, okay, which mode of delivery, which vehicle would allow us to deliver the most of this ingredient to people without loss? of this active component. Yeah, you know, and it's like, you can't use a hammer for everything. So you gotta sit back, think through the problem. And that hammer's not always gonna be the solution. Sometimes you may just need a, a knife or a towel. <laughs> or a fork, anything. <laughs> or a fork, yeah, exactly. No, I love it. And, and I think that's a good way to think about it, you know? So the question is, listeners, have you been trying to solve a problem and, the way you approach it, have you been just trying to solve it with some sort of vehicle? 
think outside that one vehicle that you're approaching it with and ask those fundamental questions about what you're trying to achieve, how you're trying to change it, and then apply the vehicle. I think that's a great note there, Olga. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So, okay, share with us a point that was so exciting, so amazing, a proud medical leadership moment. Oh, okay. So that's going to be a difficult one. I don't have such a moment yet, or I think this moment is coming up sometime soon, hopefully. Um, But I admit that I'm very grateful and honored every time I'm being invited to judge hackathons or boot camps and provide feedback to startups and entrepreneurs because it's just such a rewarding moment and it makes me feel very happy to know that my experience in the field and feedback that I'm giving to those teams can actually help them further improve their products or services and ultimately with the work that they do improve health outcomes. So that would be my proudest moments every time I'm on the panel helping to facilitate some process, boot camp, hackathon, or just doing a one-on-one coaching for startups. That is something that makes me feel very happy and I hope it's very helpful for them as well. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, Olga. I'm sure it is. And, and so if you have a hackathon coming up or if you're a startup that wants some expert advice, we'll give you a chance to have Olga's best way to contact Olga here at the end of the show so that you could tap into her passions and she can help you make your business more successful and improve outcomes. Olga, tell us a little bit about an exciting project or focus that you have today. Absolutely. I'd love to. So there are two projects that I wanted to talk about. One of the projects that I'm mostly proud of is a project where we worked really closely with patients who have an autoimmune disease, clinicians and a client to design a patient-centered solution tool that would help to address their unmet needs and hopefully will make their life a little bit more positive and easier. And we aim to create a motivational and empowering experience and address some of the things that doctors currently might not be addressing because they don't have time for it or they just not sure how to better address it or they don't have the right access to some emotional aspects of the problem. And it was just so heartwarming to hear the feedback from people during the test of the application. So it was the mobile app and we did the first usability testing and the results of this test were the positive feedback from people sharing how this is really very different from everything else that is out there, how this is very supporting and empowering and all the different design criterias that we have identified for us that we want to make sure that this tool is hitting on scored really high on all of them. So that made me feel very happy because we were working on this project for almost a year wow. and it's going to be launched uh, in January, 2018. And uh, exciting. yeah, it is very exciting. And the exciting part of it is that it's, we were able to be on this project from the very beginning, which means review of the evidence guidelines, looking at what actually could help. So just reviewing the evidence, like no design yet, no prototypes, like what makes sense to integrate, what makes sense to put in this tool. And then testing it with patients and co-designing and asking clinicians for their input and testing it again. So it was just such a great workflow and creative process. And the second project that I really the second project that I really like is our Imagine Care, which was done together with Dartmouth Hitchcock and Dartmouth Hitchcock is a leader in population health management. The work that they wanted to do as accountable care organization 
was very much focused on how can we keep patients out of the hospital, which is exciting, isn't it? Like, oh, yeah. how can we help patients to avoid being in the hospital in the first place? So they wanted to create this remote patient monitoring system that's going to have both patient-centered interface and clinician-centered interface. And we were involved in building this tool as well. It was a mobile and web application that supports the service and it disrupts the healthcare as we know it. It is having all these different components, the blood pressure cuff, the scales, the, the wearable devices, they're all wirelessly connected to the application that has the complicated algorithm developed or co-developed together with clinicians that allows us to notice when the patient starts trending bad and send the alert early on. And it has a really interesting aspect of algorithm when it's going to go to the nurse versus when it's going to go to the chatbot or AI system that is also solving some problems there. And there were some really good results with this project as well. Well, you're definitely up to some really amazing things, Olga. That's exciting, you know, on the on the two fronts, you know, the the remote monitoring system and also your project for the the mobile device for the immune disease. I think it's such interesting projects that you have. I'm excited to keep up with them. So, you'll have to send me the links to those companies. I'd love to learn more. Let's pretend you and I, oh, thank you so much. (laughs) So Olga, you and I are going to build a medical leadership course right here. It's a syllabus. It's the 101 or the ABCs of Olga. And so I'm going to give you four questions, lightning round style, and then you're going to finish up with a book for the listeners. You ready? Sure. Awesome. All right. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? The best way to improve healthcare outcomes Surprise, start measuring them. (laughs) Do evaluation, the best technique ever. We have two types, process evaluation and impact or effect evaluation. I think that as soon as companies and organizations are going to start measuring things, creating benchmark baselines and actually evaluating both the process and the impact, the the final outcomes, we're going to move towards improvements in the healthcare outcomes. Awesome. What is the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? In healthcare and in life, (laughs) overconfidence. (laughs) I think that that is probably one of the biggest mistakes to be made when you're sure that you know everything and you're making assumptions. And I don't think there are ever, ever stupid questions to ask. And people should be asking more questions. They should be checking their assumptions and making sure that they are not being too confident and not jumping into conclusions too fast. I love that. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? We as an organization are learning all the time. We're learning from our clients. This is the most exciting part about working at MadBow is that every next project that we work on is different from the previous one. And that, I think, is what allows us to stay relevant as an organization. We are very collaborative. We are working with our clients in a way that allows us to provide the expertise and and the best knowledge and the best practices to them, but also learn from them and learn about the different problems in the industry and learn about the different ways that people and organizations are approaching them. So definitely more work and great clients is something that allows us to stay relevant. And finally, what's one area of focus that should drive everything else in the organization? Collaboration between different teams. I think that there is never enough 
of that. There is never enough of this like collaborative spirit of having this entrepreneurs in the company and giving people the opportunity to work on passion projects, giving them the opportunity to collaborate across disciplines and working with different departments. So we are lucky that at Madball we have an opportunity to do that. So if I want to work with our development team, I can do that and I can go and ask them and they'll, they're going to be excited to work on some project with me. So I think that that should be something that should be implemented in many organizations, allowing people to explore their passion and work with other teams. Awesome. And Olga, what book would you add to the syllabus here for the listeners? Okay, can I add two books? <laughs> you can add two books. That's fine. Great. Okay. Uh, so I think that first one is going to be Richard Dawkins, Selfish Gene. Mm. I hope that no one else had mentioned that. Yet. No, that's a first. I have to take a look at that one. Yeah, it's a, it's a great book. It's uh, talking about gene-centered view of the evolution, which is just a very different perspective and quite interesting for anyone working in behavior change. And I like all the examples that the author provides in the book with mostly animals and insects, but it makes you think about what is the role of genes in mm -hmm. our behavior and how much they are responsible for the things that we do in our life. So that is a very interesting one. And the second one that I'm finishing right now is how emotions are made. The Secret Life of the Brain by Eliza Feldman Barrett. Huh, very and cool. That book is also a very interesting book for everyone uh, working in behavior change, but in general for people, because aren't you interested in how emotions are made? Absolutely. Most exciting thing. How do you fall in love? How, why you're happy? What are the things that drive you crazy? Why do they drive you crazy? Yeah. Is it something that is very intrinsic or is it something that just happens to you? Like the classic theory says, I'm just responding to the outside triggers and this is how emotions are made. Or is it something that the book is arguing? Is it something that is being constructed by your brain? So I would definitely recommend both of those. <laughs> I love it. And listeners, there you have it. You got some great books, some great takeaways to think about. Don't worry about writing any of this down. Go to outcomesrocket.com slash Olga. That's O-L-G-A. And you'll see all the show notes as well as the links to the books and Matt Powell and all the things that Olga's up to. You'll see it in the show notes. So check that out. Olga, before we conclude, can you just share one closing thought and then the best place where the listeners can get a hold of you? Sure. The last thought that I wanted to leave the listeners with is that if you work in the healthcare you should be thinking about it very differently than any other industry. I realize and I understand that it creates a range of business opportunities to pursue, but healthcare is truly different from retail or any other business. Stakes are high, decisions are made very fast, you risk losing everything, and incentives are misaligned at a very basic level since what people want is health, and what some companies and organizations want are producing healthcare. And we should be thinking that poking people digitally through another health or wellness app on the app store without understanding what exactly you are doing and how it works can be harmful. It can harm people emotionally, physically, financially. And that's why it matters to everyone sitting in, in the room and listening to, to this podcast. And in the end of the day, don't forget that it's not about money. It is about health. And you can get in touch with me through Matpa website, <laughs> <laughs> Olga Lizarova. So happy to get in touch and answer any questions you might have. 
Awesome, Olga. A powerful ending message there. And uh, really, really appreciate you making the time to be on the show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.